Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I have to give a testimony, though, before I start, because I just got an email. As many of you know, um, I have been in school on a journey. Um, oh, God has had me on this journey. Um, I went to uh, Regents School of Divinity, um, and I got my master's degree. And God told me, if you continue on and you go to get your doctoral degree, I will be with you. He said that the degree is already yours, but there are things that you need to do in the natural in order for you to actually get the degree. So in 2018, I started, and uh, I'm here to give you a praise report that I am done. Um, not only am I done, but the email was that my dissertation had already been published in ProQuest. I am done. And one of the things, and I'm going to tell you, that's how the, it's, it wasn't about the title. It was about so God could get the glory because in it all, he showed his faithfulness, not only for me to uh, be able to pay cash for my tuition and my books in both programs, the master's and the doctoral program, and the, the doctoral program, I ended up with a 4.0 grade point average. So that speaks to the wisdom of God. So when God has you on a journey, and he sets you in a place, by faith, you have to say yes to God. Because I'm here to tell you that God will never fail you. If God has said something to you, his word will come to pass. And the other thing I learned was that you are never too old to go back to school. Never too old. So I don't know where you are in your life, but if God has prompted you, if he has given you something like that to do by faith, God will not only provide you his wisdom to get it done, but he'll also provide you with the resources so that when you're done, you won't owe anybody anything other than a praise God, hallelujah. And see, in this all, God is getting the glory. So I just wanted to share that because I, was, I, just, I just happened to look at my emails when I was sitting there, and it said, your dissertation has been published in ProQuest. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it is a, a body of information where uh, people can go to ProQuest and they can type in my name and they'll find out what I wrote, all 217 pages of it. And uh, anybody that's doing research in the field can type in some keywords and they'll pull up to see the things that I researched. And when they use anything that I wrote in my dissertation, you know, they will have to cite me. So there we have it. So I just wanted to share that before I started, just to talk about preparation. You know, because God wants us prepared. I mean, that's why we come to church, right? Because God wants us to prepare us for ministry. That is why we hear teaching. That is why we hear preaching. That is why we go to Bible study. That's why we, we listen. You know, we read the word of God. We study the word of God. We meditate the word of God because God is preparing us for a work that he has us to do. And the work that he has us to do, you, it's in White Oak. It's in the 20904 and more area. Amen? And so before I get started, I always like to uh, have something. Uh, last, the last time I preached, I think I had a little something, something that was a little funny. How many of you listen to commercials? You like commercials? Okay. So these are some commercials. Some of these might be um, old school, because I'm from the old school. And so these describe what God is like. God is like bare aspirin. He works miracles. God is like Ford. He's got a better idea. God is like Coke. He's the real thing. God is like Hallmark cards. He cares to send his very best. God is like Tide. He gets the stains out that others leave behind. God is like General Electric. He brings good things to life and lights your path. 
God is like Sears. He has everything. God is like Alka-Seltzer. Try him, you'll like him. God is like Gillette, the best a man can get. God is like Scotch tape. You can't see him, but you know he's there. God is like Delta. He's ready when you are. God is like Allstate. You're in good hands with him. God is like VO5 hairspray. He holds through all kinds of weather. God is like Dow soap. Aren't you glad you have him? Don't you wish everybody did? God is like the U.S. Post Office. Neither rain, no snow, no sleet, nor ice will keep him from his appointed destination. God is like Chevrolet, the heartbeat of America. God is like Maxwell House, good to the very last drop. God is not like Burger King. You cannot have it your way with God. God is like Levi's. His quality never goes out of style. God is like L'Oreal because you're worth it. God is like Verizon. Can you hear him now? God is like IMAX. He thinks big. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Anyway, those were, uh, yes, I thought they were, they were a little fun. I like to start off that way. But today, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge Pastor Horace and um, Minister Pat for allowing me the opportunity to minister this Sunday. Uh, they are my spiritual parents, uh, and I love them, and I know you love them too. So thank you, Pastor Horace and Reverend Pat. Uh, I also want to acknowledge my husband. Oh, Brother Ron, you're going to get your crown. <laughs> God bless him. Y'all need, need to pray. But uh, thank you, Ronald, for always supporting me and encouraging me uh, in the things of God. And, you know, I liked what uh, Yinka said. I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Pastor Horace had mentioned to us about 2023 is victory, victory, victory. And so we should be in it to win it. I mean, all in. Not just part of the way, but all in. So our scripture reading today is going to be taken from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And imagine Jesus has invited you to an appointment with him. Only you have no idea when he's coming to pick you up. It's the only opportunity you're going to get, and all he says is, be prepared and get ready. You don't know if he's coming tonight, next week, in five years, or five decades. All you know is that if he shows up and you are not prepared, that's it. You've lost your opportunity forever. So that's the point of Matthew 25, 1 through 13. It is the parables of the ten virgins, and it can be found in the gospel of Matthew. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we just praise you, God, for another opportunity, God, to study your word, God. God, I thank you, Lord, God. I thank you that I have decreased, God. I thank you, Lord, that your servant is listening, God. So speak through me, God. God, you know what the needs of the people are. God, I thank you, Lord, that their ears are anointed to hear what thus saith the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that the word that they hear, they will hide it in their hearts so that they won't sin against you. So, God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And I thank you, Lord, that it shall be fruitful, God, that the people will not leave here the way that they came. So, God, I thank you, Lord, that every need would be met, God. I thank you, Lord, that those that don't know you will know you, God. And those that do know you will know you in a deeper and a greater way. So, God, we love you and we thank you and we give you all praise, glory, and honor. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So one of the things about Matthew 25, 1 through 13, is that these are parables. And Jesus used these parables as lessons and stories. And he used things that people could relate to. And one of the most important things that he re reiterated in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, was preparedness and readiness. You know Jesus is coming back again, right? And we need to be prepared, and we need to be ready. 
you know, one of the things that we do in the month of December is that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we should also prepare and look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ because he is coming again. You know, one of the things that I realized was that my grandmother told me that, my mother told me that, her great-grandmother told her that. But you know what? Because his word says so, he is coming again. And so we have a responsibility to wait for him. So if we knew today was going to be the day that when we would meet the bridegroom, talking about Jesus, would there need to be a significant change in your life? Think about that. Is there something in your life you would need to change if you knew that Jesus was coming back today? Hmm. In other words, are you preparing for the return of the bridegroom? The title of this message. Are you preparing for the return of the bridegroom? So the bridegroom in this passage represents Jesus. And the church is his bride. And the 10 virgins that we're going to uh, talk about represent the members of Christ's church. How many of you are born again in here? Then you are a part of Jesus Christ's church. So to help us answer that question, let's look at the scripture. Now, this particular parable, um, Jesus was talking to the disciples, to put it in this context, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And they want to know, first of all, when will these things be? What is the sign of his coming? And what is the sign of the end of the age? And so Jesus tells them about these parables. And so the parable that we are going to look at is called the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. So I'm going to read all 13 scriptures. So again, that's Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while the foolish went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So you see in verse 25, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. You see, all ten had the same assignment. They took their lamps to meet the bridegroom. You see, the church also has an assignment. The Bible tells us that we have the Great Commission. We're supposed to go out and we're supposed to share the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it begins in our own homes. I mean, I think about what happened at White Oak. Did you all see the article that happened in White Oak um, in, at the Shell Station right there at the corner by the Enclave? You know, one of the first things that I thought about was there was a, um, somebody came into the, uh, the, the Shell Station and they shot the cashier. Not just once, but then after they shot the person once, then after the person fell down, they shot them twice again. And so, you know, one of the things that I, and then on top of that, the person that shot the uh, cashier, when the police went to his home, 
they found a dead body of a pregnant woman that he had been living with all this time. And so the first thing that I thought about was, number one, had he ever heard about Jesus? That was what I thought about. Did anybody ever share with him about our Jesus, our Lord? Had he ever heard about Jesus? And then I thought about the lady um, who was dead, and I said the same thing. Did anybody share with her about the Lord? You know, where did she go when she died? You know, I thought about those are things that we think about. That's why it's important to pray for White Oak, because things are getting closer and closer. The Bible tells us that we are living in perilous times perilous time. Can't you see the day approaching? That's why the, the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves as the matter of some is, as we see the day approaching. And that day approaching is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we have to be prepared. You see, in Revelation 1-7, this is uh, when Jesus comes, the Bible says, behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. See, preparation comes with knowing and fulfilling the assignment of God. I mean, Rainbow Family Christian Center has a vision. We are here to build a community bridge over the cultural divide with the love of God to gather believers of all color into fellowship. And if you are a member of Rainbow Family Christian Center, you are here to support Pastor Horace and Miss Pat with that vision. God has called us to an assignment. Now it goes on, it says, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. So what does the word wise mean? Wise means having sound judgment, having keen discernment. And in Proverbs 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not forsake her, and she shall preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Talking about wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. See, wisdom is taking the word of God and asking God, God, how do I apply your word to my life? Because we want to live the way God wants us to live. We want to live the way the word says that we should live. That's wisdom. We can't keep thinking in our mind that we know the right way. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. He didn't tell us to plan. He said to prepare for it and to do it the way he said it. And so at some point in time, at least for my own life, I decided that God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Because God, God's way is best for me. God's way is good for me. I'm going to get good results when I obey the word of God. When I make a decision, I don't make it. I go to God and say, God, what would you have me to do? And God shows me and tells me that because I want to be in his will. I want to be on the journey that God has me on. You know, people say if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results, then I don't know. That's not being wise. And so the, the Bible tells us that there is earthly wisdom and there's wisdom that comes from God. I don't know about you, but I want the wisdom that comes from God. In James 3, 13 through 17, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion and every evil thing are there but the foolish that is from above God's wisdom is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy you see, foolishness is the result of a person misusing the intelligence God has given him or her. You see, a fool uses his reasoning skills to make wrong decisions. Haven't you ever made wrong decisions before? I know I have. I can admit. Maybe not you. But I have made wrong decisions before. It means anyone who does not take God, his create, his create, the creator, into consideration. God, what do you want me to do? 
you know, God, I'm, I'm pressed. You can always tell what happens when pressure comes. Who do you go to? Do you go to the word of God or do you try to think of a reason in your own mind? You see, foolish people are silly or senseless. And when you do something foolish, it's usually unwise and irrational. A foolish person is always right in his or her own eyes. Have you ever met a people like that? They just know everything. You don't know nothing, but they know everything. They got an answer for everything. They know everything. Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. And the counsel that we need to go to is the word of God. The word of God has an answer for any of your concerns that you have in your life. Because that is why we have the word of God. The word of God, the Bible teaches us how to live. It teaches us how to live with one another. It teaches us about God's love. It teaches us about who God is. And if we would just rely on the word of God and get his wisdom in our lives. You see, foolish things like sitting on the hood of a car when you, or somebody is driving it. That's foolish. You know, things that show lack of judgment, like cheating on a test. You know how when I was in high school, when we would have tests, they would write answers in their hands with an ink pen. I don't even know why they would do that. But they would write, and then some people, you know, uh, they would, uh, you know, maybe write something on their thigh or something like that. Uh, but, you know, eventually, you know, they got caught because if your hands perspire, whatever you wrote was going to just be just blurred and they wouldn't be able to see it. But things like that, foolish. You know, one of the things that I, I know in my life is that, you know, when you try to reveal something or you try to hide something, that is going to be revealed. And how are you going to respond to that when it comes to that? Something foolish would be like running into the street without looking after a, a basketball. And I've seen children do that. I've seen people with their um, cell phone, and they're just on the cell phone, and they don't see the car coming. You know, they're not paying attention because the cell phone is more important than paying attention to that. You know, and so when it comes to our eternal destiny, we're either going to be a fool, meaning that we reject the gospel, or we're going to be wise, which means that we believe in Christ and we are committed to a life in him. Do you know what it means to be committed to a life in Christ? I mean, to be all sold out for Christ, to be all in, you know what that's like? I mean, it's like blessing upon blessing. You know, Pastor pl uh, plays a song um, that the devil don't like it because I'm blessed like that. That's what that means. That, you know, no matter what I go through in life, I know that God loves me, that he wants the best for me, that, he, that, that I am in the palm of his hand and that nobody can snatch me out. I mean, to be all in like that, to be sold out for God. God, I just want your way. I want your will. If it's not for me, God, shut the door. If it's for me, God, open the door. You know, God, I thank you, Lord, that I, God, I have seen so much favor in my life when I decided, when I chose God's way. And I just want to encourage you today to choose God's way. God's way is going to be the best way for you. You won't be sorry. Yes, life happens. It does happen. But with God, nothing is impossible with God and nothing is too hard for God. And I'm here to tell you, that if you haven't gotten all in, I mean, nothing holds you back, nothing stops you. I mean, that you are just all in. I'm spending time with God. I'm spending time in the word of God. I'm, I am on the journey that God has me on. I'm serving. You know, I'm praying for people. I'm praying for my family. And I don't care who doesn't like it. I'm just going to keep doing it until Jesus comes back. Because when he comes back, I want him to find me doing what he's called me to do. And I don't know about you, but that is a good place to be. And so applying the wisdom of God helps us in our appreciation, in our preparation. So verse 3 says, those who were foolish took their lamps with no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So, I mean, think about this. A person has oil, no oil, but a lamp. 
And this lamp is here because I wanted you to see that this particular lamp was different from the lamps that we have in our home. We had, when I was growing up, we had a kerosene lamp like this. And um, I'll tell you a little story about that. Whenever you would have like a hooping cough or something like that, what they would do is they would take three drops of the kerosene and they would put it in a spoonful of sugar. And then what you would do is you would take the sugar with the kerosene and then you would back it down with uh, a slice of lemon. And so the hooping cough that you once had, you didn't have it anymore. So that was the way, that was the way I was raised. So this lamp, so this is the kind of lamp that they had at that time. And in that lamp, you'll see it had, usually they would put oil in the bottom, and usually they would turn up the wick, and the wick would determine how uh, bright the light was. And so this was called trimming the lamp. But you had to have oil in it. But you see, five of the virgins didn't have any oil. They didn't take any oil with them. You know, sometimes God will bless us with something, but we don't have what we need in order to make what he's given us fruitful. And so sometimes we need to understand what it is that God has given us and how we can use it so that he can get the glory. So verse 5 says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. You see, a lot of times we're going to have to wait for the bridegroom to return, and we cannot get tired the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We have to wait. We have to wait for so many things. We have to, you know, wait for the food to cook. We have to, you know, uh, wait to get up to go to, to work in the morning. There are so many things that we have to wait for. But one thing is, is sure that Jesus is coming back again, and we don't know the hour, we don't know the day, but we need to wait, and we need to wait with patience. And it says that while he was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. So there was no difference there. They were all sleeping. They were tired. And so uh, the, the next verse says, and at midnight a cry was heard, and behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet them, to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So they had the lamps and those with the oil, they turned it up because they were supposed to help the bridegroom to find out where the, the banquet was. So to meet the bridegroom is an image of the coming of the Messiah. And at midnight speaks to the suddenly moment mm, that Jesus will come because we don't know when he's coming. But we just know that we need to be prepared. You see, the virgins didn't know when, but they were preparing for his arrival. See, all of the virgins woke up, and they began to trim their lamps. And the bridegroom arrived at midnight, and the virgins were expecting him, but they didn't know when. And although they were asleep, they knew the voice of the midnight cry. And the voice told them to go and meet him. You know, will we know the voice of God? Will we know when Jesus cracks the sky? Knowing the voice of God helps us in our preparation. See, again, we see stuff happening in the text, but in order for us to see it, we need to understand the culture. You see, weddings in the Jewish culture are very different to the, than the weddings that we've been used to. And one of the big differences is the need to make a payment called a bride price. So one, on the day of the wedding, the father of the bride and the bridegroom would haggle over this bride price. If the price was too cheap, it would reflect on the value of the bride. But if it was too much, the bridegroom would not be able to make the payment and the wedding couldn't proceed. You know, I asked God, I said, you know, God, when Ronald and I got married, I wonder how much Ronald would have given my father for me. But you know what he told me? He said, but does it matter? He said, because my son thought you were, were worth to die for. He said, my son died on the cross for you. 
So you were valuable to me, God said. So it doesn't matter how much he would have paid for you because my son paid the price, the sacrifice for you because I love you. Uh, I was like, okay, God, thank you. But I know Ronald would have paid a lot of money for me. In other words, on the day of the wedding, it was not the bride who was always late, but it was the bridegroom. Because the bridegroom was speaking to the father about how much I will pay you for, your, for the bride. So the guests and the virgins all knew that they were going to have to wait. And guess what? We're going to have to wait too. <laughs> Learning how to wait for the bridegroom helps us in our preparation. And so verse 8 says, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for the lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. So what did the foolish version say? We don't have any oil, so our lamps are going out. Well, you didn't start out with any, because if you go back to verse 3, you'll find that they said that they didn't bring any oil. Remember, the foolish virgins didn't take any. They took lamps, but no oil. So what good is a lamp with no oil? There can be no light. Their lamps were never lit. They didn't have any oil. They were not prepared. And so how were they supposed to trim their lamps without oil? So I told you that to trim the lamp means to turn the wick either up or down to regulate the amount of flame. So how did the five wise virgins uh, respond? They say, sorry, mm. we don't have enough for ourselves and you, so why don't you go to those who sell it and buy it for yourself? So they gave them their own plan for it, and you know what happened. So the five foolish ones listened to the new plan of the five wise, and they chose to father, follow it because the original instruction was to go and meet the bridegroom, not go to the store and buy oil. Obeying God's instructions helps us in our preparation. So what did God say in his word, and what am I going to do? My choice. We choose. Am I going to be foolish, or am I going to be wise? And while they went to buy, verse 10, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Mm. What a response. See, while they went to buy, they went to get something that they should have already had in the beginning. They should have been prepared. You see, the wise virgins were prepared, and they went in. The foolish virgins were late, and they were shut out. The foolish wanted to enter, but the bridegroom said, I don't know you. And what does it mean, <laughs> I don't know you? Well, it's helpful to remember that the 10 young unmarried women who were waiting for the bridegroom had not met him before. He was coming to collect his bride, it seems, but also to meet the wedding party, including the 10 virgins. The five who were not prepared because they did not have oil were never introduced to him since they were not present when he came. They were out looking for oil, something they should have had in the very beginning because they knew that they were going to meet the bridegroom. <laughs> well, after the appropriate time, they have their oil and have knocked on the door to join the celebration. And the bridegroom simply says that he doesn't know them and he doesn't let them in. That conclusion was harsh for me. Mm. Should a young woman who has simply forgotten extra oil for her lamp be barred from participating in an event like this? Mm. Wow. It's important to remember that local customs of this day are different from the more casual attitudes of many modern people towards relationships and celebrations. It's also important to remember that Jesus is making a point about his own return and those who follow him. So what does it mean to be prepared for the bridegroom? First, Jesus has shown us that being prepared means being busy doing the work he has given us to do, being faithful and wise. What has God given you to do? 
You know, God has given each one of us gifts and talents to use. One of the gifts and talents that I use most often is the ministry of helps. And ministry of helps is something that you don't see who does it, but if it wasn't done, you would notice it. Ministry of helps is when you go to the bathroom and the bathroom is clean, you don't know who cleaned the bathroom, but you know that the bathroom wasn't clean, you would know it. When you uh, go through the doors, somebody cleans those doors because you know sometimes there's fingerprints on it. But you don't know who cleans the doors, but if the doors had fingerprints on them, you would know. Somebody empties the trash in this church. You don't know who does it, but if they didn't empty the trash, you would know it. Somebody vacuums the floor. Somebody, you come in sometimes and you'll, hear, you'll smell freshness. You don't know who did it, but if it wasn't done, you would know. That's ministry of helps. That is the passion that I have to help. Because, I mean, this is God's house. I mean, if I take care of my house and God is taking care of my house, shouldn't I take care of the house of God? Haven't you ever been someplace, you know, maybe in your house, and you see something laying on the floor, and you have everybody walk past that thing that they saw on the floor, and you're trying to figure out, I know people saw that. I'm seeing that right there. But everybody has walked past it, and nobody will pick it up. It's just like here. If I see something, I pick it up. I, I sanitize my hands, but I pick it up. Same thing about um, outside. And it has nothing to do with me. It's the heart that God has put in me to do that, to be that ministry of helps. And so whatever talent, whatever skill, whatever gift that God has put in you, use it for his glory. And he will increase it. He will. He will increase it. You know, everybody, uh, we're all different. But there's always something in the house of God for us to do. Always. Always. Uh, you know, one of the things that Pastor always talks about is that we should never be spiritually unemployed. Never be spiritually unemployed. And I know that within the last couple of years, we have, you know, had COVID and things have happened. But the church is open now. And we need help in every ministry. Every ministry every ministry. We need help in children's ministry. We need help in the usher's ministry. We need help wherever you can put your hands to. And if you're not sure about it, get involved in something and God will show you exactly where you should be. And you say, well, I don't understand that, Sister Terry. And I'm like, well, you know, what kind of passion, you know, the, the passion that God has given you to do something that you don't consider it work? Because I had a job once and I, I, I so enjoyed that job, and I didn't consider it work because I enjoyed what I do. I, I mean, it was, it was fun for me to get up in the morning and to go and to do what I was paid to do. And, you know, truth be told, even if I wasn't paid, I would still do it because I have that kind of compassion. So let me just tell you a little bit about the ten virgins. First of all, they probably had the same type of clothes because, you know, when you're at a wedding, uh, we had bridesmaids, and so they probably had the same type of clothes. They were all expecting the bridegroom, but the bridegroom was delayed, and they all fell asleep. They all had lamps. All of them trimmed their lamps. They all wanted to be part of the wedding feast. How, however, only five got into the wedding banquet. They were all alike, but not all of them were prepared, and that's a truth which sends out a huge warning to all of us. So just because you look right doesn't mean you are right. Because there are people that we run into that say they are Christians, but they might not be living right. And so there are times when um, there are reasons these things happen is because we can have, we can be, we can say that we are Christians, but the question becomes, are we living like Christ? You know, are we imitating Christ? Can, can, when, we, when we speak, are we speaking the words of Christ? Because the Bible says that when we hide God's word in our heart so that we won't sin against him, and then the word of God also says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can always tell what's in a person's heart by what comes out of their mouth. And so are we at a place where we are being like Christ? Because the Bible says that we are his ambassadors. So preparation means that, you know, we have a lot of routines in our life, but one of the things that we have to be very mindful of is that 
we don't want to allow the normal routines of our life to distract us from our relationship with Jesus. Because our relationship with Jesus is one of the most the important relationships you'll ever want to have. I mean, one of the most important ones. And so I want to, um, I want to tell you, I'm still talking about um, preparation. Um, maybe about 15 years ago in this area, there was an ice storm. And what happened with the ice storm was that it was so bad that the ice got on the wires and it caused us to lose electricity. I don't want to say we had a power outage because I just believe that we have power. If you're a child of God, you have power. So I don't say power outage, I say lose electricity. And so the electricity went out in our house and our house was cold. And after that time, I think that was, I don't know, it might have been 15 or 20 years ago. And after that time, I got some rechargeable light bulbs. Now, that was many, many years ago. You said rechargeable light bulbs? Mm-hmm. What it is, it looks like a regular light bulb, but every time you flip the switch, it charges. So if the electricity ever goes out, you have lights. And so you remember, uh, was it last Sunday, a couple Sundays, an uh, airplane flew into a tower? In our neighborhood, the lights went out. But guess who had lights? That's called preparation. Didn't know when we were going to lose electricity again. But when we did, we were prepared. I mean, our whole neighborhood, there was no light anywhere. But on every floor in our house, we had lights. And so I'm telling you, there are times when you prepare for some time that you don't know when. And so for those of you who say, well, you know, I've heard that Jesus is coming back again, but he's not, but he is. That's what the word of God says. The word of God, the word of God is truth. And he is coming back, and we have to be prepared. Because the, the last warning for us is, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And watch means to be awake, to be attentive, to look with expectation, to carefully to observe. Because, see, we don't know when he's coming, and we don't want to be sleeping. We want to be prepared, and we want to be waiting. So I want to end with giving you some... suggestions on how you can be fully prepared to meet Christ when he comes. First of all, lay aside any hindrance that you might have in your life. The Bible says that we should lay aside every weight and every sin that was so easily beset us. Have the Holy Spirit to show you, God, what is it in my life that doesn't please you? God, what it is in my life that doesn't glorify you? Is there something that I'm doing, God, that, that breaks your heart? God, show me what that is, and repent and move on. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. Sin does not come in colors or sizes. But there is no sin that God cannot forgive. The second thing is rekindle the flames of your first love for the Lord. You remember when you first got saved and you were excited about the things of God? I mean, where is that? Do you still have that joy? Ask God to, God, give me, you know, rekindle the flame in me, God. Help me to become excited about your word. Help me to become excited about the church. Help me to become excited about that which you placed on the inside of me. Give me um, a heart to share the love of God that you put, placed in me to other people, to people in my family, people that I don't know. Help me to be kind. Help me to be loving. Help me to be forgiving. Third is to exercise good stewardship of your time and talents. Remember, I talked about it. God has given us gifts and talents, and he wants us to use them for his glory. And fourth, ask God to help you to maintain these things well. Because a lot of times we start off excited about the things of God, and then, you know, we just kind of get uh, casual about it. And just remember one of the things that a pastor says is that, you know, when we become, if we get casual about the things of God, we will become casualties. 
So please don't put this off. This is an important matter. That was the, this was the mistake of the foolish <clears throat> versions in the parable. They kept putting off doing anything about their lamps until it was too late for them to do anything. So please be wise and not foolish. Because remember that Jesus Christ may come anytime soon. The Bible tells us that no man knows the hour or the day of our Lord's return. Hmm. So whatever you do, please come to him before he comes to you. And I want to end with this. This may seem uh, familiar to you, but I didn't write it. But I found it, and I think it uh, summarizes everything that I've talked about today. And it says, it's, the title is, "'Twas the night before Jesus came." "'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house. Not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were laying on the shelf without care, in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And mom in her rocker with baby on her lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand, was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, it's not here. My head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to take to his father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late I had waited too long, and this sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life, and when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Will you prepare for the coming of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we just praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, for this word, God. And I thank you, Lord, that we are going to prepare for the coming of the bridegroom. We're going to wait patiently and expectantly for you to come, God. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come. God, I thank you, Lord God, that in our lives, God, you will get the glory, God. God, you won't find us sleeping. We, you will find us doing the work that you have called us to do, God. God, I just thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing in and in, in, in of our lives, God. And you will get the glory. God, we just appreciate all that you're done and all that you continue to do. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give an altar call. Is there, there, there may be somebody who is watching or somebody here who you say, I don't know this bridegroom. I don't know this Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so if there's anybody here who is still outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the warning, do not delay anymore. Jesus wants you to come to him today. 
If there's anyone here who would like to rededicate their lives or recommit themselves or rekindle the flame and ask God to give you his strength to endure, to wait expectantly. If that's you today, I don't want you to come to the altar, but if that's you, I want you to stand up, lift your hands towards heaven, and I want to pray with you. Anybody that wants to rededicate their lives, anybody who wants to rekindle the love that you once had, are there any? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, stand to your feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can praise God. Come on. You know, give God a hand clap. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Thank God for what he's done today. Thank God for the word that he sent forth. Thank God that you're going to prepare for the return of the bridegroom, that things are not going to be the same again, that your life has now been changed, that you, you are all in. You know, you're going to wait for him, and you're going to wait for him with patience. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be all glory in the church and in Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, now and forevermore. The people were blessed when they came in. They're blessed when they're going out. They're blessed in the city, blessed in the fields. Whatever they put their hands to is blessed. So, God, I thank you, Lord, that we send and we go forth and we send them out because they are blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Prepare for the return of the bridegroom. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.